good morning again. Thanks so much for choosing to be here. If you're online, thanks for joining us that, that, on that avenue. If you didn't know about it, you can watch us online if you're ever homesick or on vacation or, I don't know, uh, at home. Anyway, uh, we are in this new message series. This is our third week uh, called Living Out Love. And the attempt of this series is to try and discover uh, how you and I can be the best version of ourselves so that we can best love those that are around us and that we interact with on a daily basis, how we can best have an impact on those individuals. And so to do this, we've been looking at the last seven statements that Jesus made uh, just prior to his death on the cross. And so trying to learn from those statements. Growing up, um, actually, I still have two younger brothers. Um, they're three and six years, I guess, yeah, they're still younger than me. Um, they remind me often. Anyway, they were, um, man, I am all over the place. We should, this will take all morning if I don't narrow in. Anyway, um, they're three to six years younger, three and six years younger than I am. And uh, so growing up, my mom also, my mom's brother, holy smokes, let's see if I can get, my mom has a brother. He lives in California. He has three daughters that are relatively close in age to the three of us. And so we go down to their house, and they had a swimming pool down in California. And so when we'd go visit them in California, it was amazing. We loved going down and hanging out. We'd spend hours out in the swimming pool, uh, the warm California sun, incredible time, got along great, all that. Anyway, my parents, as good parents, decided that they should probably figure out what they would do if they were ever to tragically pass away, and so had a conversation with my aunt and uncle, and the arrangement was made that, that if either parents, group of parents, happened to pass away, then the kids would go and live with the other family. So my parents were explaining this to us one day, and just kind of, you know, I think they were trying to make sure we understood, you know, if they were to pass away, we were taken care of, and so they were explaining it to us, and my youngest brother, who was about six at the time, he just wasn't getting it. He wasn't really understanding, like, where would we be going and who we'd be living with, and we were trying to describe it, and he just—so my brother and I started to say, you know, like, J.J., this is, this is our cousins that live in California, you know? They have the swimming pool. We go, and we swim, and have a great time, and all of a sudden, he's like, yeah! And his eyes got all big, and he was pumping his fist, and then all of a sudden, he realized that, like, for that to happen, my parents would have to die. And so he tried to cover his tracks, and he's like, but it would be very sad— My parents just attempting to do what most of us do when we think about the idea that you know, we could die. And, and how do we take care of those people uh, that we would leave behind? When we look in the story of Jesus, he actually does this as well. In his final moments on the cross, in this story of his life, in the final moments as he's about to pass away, he's looking out for and wants to take care of his mom. This was written down by a guy by the name of John, who he's actually talking to as well. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes, but here's how the story goes. It says this. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. I have to stop here. I wasn't going to talk about this, but how many women are there? Really? Near the cross stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Actually, I have no idea. I just, I read this, and I'm like, how many? And, and they're all named Mary. <laughs> like, what in the world? I, and this, this is just where I go in the week when I don't have... Uh, so Jesus' mother, is, her name is Mary, and his mother's sister, Mary? They, they named two girls in the same family, Mary? No, I have no idea. This, is, this has no point to do with anything. I just... Okay, here we go. 
bunch of ladies standing there. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple John, whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciples took her into his home. So by this time, uh, Mary's a widow. Uh, Joseph, her husband, had died years before this. And so tradition tells us uh, in church literature that, that she actually would live with John for about 12 more years. She would go and live in his care for 12 more years. And it all comes out of this statement where Jesus is on the cross and he looks down and he says to his mom, Mom, this is now your son. And, and John, this is now your mom. I need you to take care of her. And, and Jesus is going through some of the most excruciating pain known to man. The torture that exists when on the cross is, is by far some of the worst that we know of. But even in the middle of all of that, the love that was a part of him was so deep that it continues to carry out so that he can demonstrate care and concern. And in that moment, what we see and what we begin to recognize is that the compassion that was within him and the sensitivity and the attention and the tenderness and the love and the concern, all of that was there was such a great level that what you and I see is that living out love the way Jesus did means that I have to do a few things. There's a whole bunch that we see there. I want to try and pull out four things that you and I can really take that if you and I are going to be loving like Jesus, how that's going to carry out. The first way that we see loving like Jesus means that I have to care for my own family. Love has to be more than just something that we say. Love has to be something that we do. It has to be a choice. It has to be an action. And in the middle of Jesus' pain, he's loving and caring for his mother. He does a few things. He calls her out by name. He acknowledges her. He honors her. He provides for her. He gives her the support that she needs as she's going through this process. And as we look at that, I think there's three ways that you and I can begin to evaluate as we look at how we're living out love and caring for our family. I think there's three things that you and I can really look to do as we're living out love. The first thing that we can do is simply pay attention to the people in our life. It's so easy to get caught up on our phone or watching TV or doing all these other things when, when really the people in our family need us to give them some attention. I mean, attention is truly one of the greatest gifts that you can give anyone. Attention is something that you can give way more important than money. I mean, you can always go make more money, but you can't go find more attention, right? You can't. My oldest son, uh, when he was about two years old, we were playing with this plastic train set. He loved this plastic train set, and we'd build trains and get it all configured and, da -da -da, and then push the track around. One morning, he woke up really early, and so I thought, well, I'll just go in the room, and I'll play with the trains and let my wife sleep in. And so we were playing with the trains, and the track got all set up, and he was driving the train around. And so I was just kind of laying there watching him, and it was early in the morning, and the more I laid there, the more I got sleepy. And pretty soon, I just, like, drifted off to sleep, and I thought, hey, he'll be all right. He'll just play. I woke up with Cade sitting on me and taking the train and like waking me up on my face. I got his permission, by the way, to tell that story. Cade didn't need me to drive a train. He, he didn't need me to build another track. He didn't even need me to say, hey, good job, what you're doing. He just wanted my attention. He's like, Dad, I, I, just, I just want you to watch me play. He just wanted my attention. And your attention and my attention is one of the greatest gifts that we can give anybody. Because truly, our attention is giving them a piece of our life. It's giving them a piece of our time. And you and I, we can never get back time. So that's why it's such an amazing thing that we can give away. An incredible gift of giving our attention, of saying, listen, you are valuable enough to me that I'm going to give you part of my life, that I, 
I won't get it back, so I'm going to give you that piece of who I am. What an incredible thing that you and I can be giving to our family is just to take enough time, set it aside, and give some attention. Another thing that you and I can do when it comes to giving our family our love is to say, listen, I'm going to pour into you, and I'm going to give you this time, and I'm going to make sure that you're important. Let's, let me show you a letter that written to a guy uh, that was written to a young pastor. It says this, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You and I have this incredible opportunity to care for our family. Another way that you and I can care for our family is to honor them. In this particular culture, women were not seen as anything of value. Maybe that's why they all got named Mary. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they, were, they were just, they were things. They, they were just a property. They were just something that was, that you just had in your life. And Jesus was constantly raising the status of women. He was constantly saying, these, these ladies, they have more value. And he's constantly honoring his mother, even for the fact that he would speak to his mom while on the cross. He's basically demonstrating what we read in the Ten Commandments that was written years and years before this. Honor your parents. If you go back and you read through the Ten Commandments, the amazing thing about honoring your parents is there's not like a time limit on that. There's nothing that says, hey, you just have to honor your parents until you're not at home anymore. Honoring your parents. Maybe your parents weren't that good at parenting. And maybe your parents hurt you. Maybe your parents didn't always provide for all of your needs. So, so honoring might need to take on a new look. How could you honor them? Maybe they, maybe they didn't provide for you, and you don't have to put yourself back into a situation where you can get hurt. Or, but how can you honor them? Maybe that requires some conversation, some thinking through. But I think one of the greatest ways that we can honor somebody is just being careful about how we talk about them, what we post about them, making sure that we're not speaking disparagingly about them. Honoring our parents. We can do the same thing with our kids. We can do the th same thing with our spouse. Be careful with how we speak to them and how we speak about them to other people. Last way that you and I can love our families, uh, I think we see it through what Solomon wrote. He says this. He says, Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. I think one of the greatest ways that you and I can love our families is to not give up. Talk with my parents, and there was probably a really good reason between the year, ages of 18 and 21 that they could have given up on me. Like, there was a really good chance I was about to destroy myself and destroy my future. Uh, you can ask them. They actually just said you should speak honoring about somebody, so they may not tell you all of the details. But I think back to that, and I'm like, they could have just given up and walked away. But thankfully, they stuck through those years. And when you and I reveal to our family, listen, I'm not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what, what you get into or the trouble you create, I'm in it. So tremendously valuable in the way that we can live out love, saying, listen, I, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm in this with you. It doesn't mean we have to approve of choices. It doesn't mean we even have to like them all the time. But it's saying, listen, I'm going to stay in this battle with you. I'm not going to enable you. I'm not going to excuse you. But I'm going to continue to love you, and I'm going to continue to love you by, by giving you attention. I'm going to continue to love you by finding ways to honor you. One of the greatest things that we can do by living out love is choosing to care for our own family. Another way that we can live out love as we look at what Jesus did means that we look to meet the practical needs of others. That's what Jesus is doing. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm going to provide for the practical needs of my mom. And in some ways, he's providing for the practical needs of John. Literally, the last task that Jesus does— is to provide for his mother. 
says something significant about who Jesus is. It also says something significant about how you and I can help others. Jesus has nothing to give her, really. Right? He's, he's not rich. He's got, he hasn't piled up wealth. He doesn't have his own home. His 401k investment in the Jerusalem Stock Exchange not performed well. So all he has is a friend. He has a friend that he trusts. So he says, hey, buddy, I need you to take care of my mom. He leans into the resource that was available to him. He leans into what he had invested in. He had invested in the life of John. He had poured into this guy. This was the wealth that he had generated. Oftentimes, I think you and I get caught up in thinking, well, I can't help somebody else. I can't do something. I don't have what it takes to meet a practical need. Maybe what we have to recognize is sometimes when we're meeting a practical need, it doesn't require money. It doesn't require a resource. Maybe it's just your time. Maybe it's just your energy. Maybe it's your talents. Maybe it's rallying other, rallying other people around a need that we're aware of and saying, listen, let's pour into this. Living out love is figuring ways to meet practical needs. Back to the letter that was written to the young pastor. It says this, do not, be rebuked, oh, do not rebuke an older man in the church, but appeal to him as your father. Treat the younger men as your brothers and treat the older, older women as mothers and treat the younger women as sisters with all purity. We have to take care of each other. We have to be proactive with how we're treating the people around us. And when we talk about helping our family, I don't think any of us really struggle with that. But this verse is saying, listen, we have to expand who we see as our family. It's easy to fall into the trap of like, I'm just going to protect mine. I'm just going to take care of my home and my people and my family. But this is saying, listen, we have to get more proactive about this. We have to look at other people and how can we treat more than just the people that are in our lives? How are we going to be living out love? And this is calling us to begin recognizing that everybody that is a follower of Jesus ultimately becomes our family. Church family is, it actually becomes who we are as a family. Now the good news, I think it's a little simpler than what we've just read there. It tells us that we need to treat older guys as our father. We need to treat younger guys as our brother and younger ladies as our sisters. And the good news is I don't know a whole lot of ladies that are willing to say I'm an old woman. So really, probably, we just have a bunch of 85-year-old spiritual sisters. <laughs> right? Ladies, anybody like, I'm an old lady? No, see? But our responsibility is to serve. Our responsibility is to be genuine and treat people with respect. Our responsibility is to serve those that are older and mentor and encourage those that are younger and pour into the lives of those people that are around us. Paul wrote this in a letter to the Roman church. He said this, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This might sound weird, and I hope I can explain this right, but, but the church as an organization doesn't exist to take care of its members. In fact, that's why we don't call it membership. We call it partnership. As a church, we don't exist to care for each other, but as the people within the church, as the individuals that are a part of this place, it's our duty to care for each other. Now, at times, as an organization, we might try and help facilitate that. We've got this meals group. But truly, the church at its best, the church functioning at its top level is when individuals are taking care of and recognizing and responding to the needs of the people they see around us. I mean, as a pastor, one of the most exciting things I find out about is after the fact, when I hear that somebody took a meal to somebody else. When I hear that somebody said, oh, I went and visited somebody else in the hospital, I'm like, yes, 
We're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. When I hear about somebody lending a hand to somebody else with a home improvement project or fixing somebody's car, giving somebody a ride to the airport, I mean, that, like if we're all waiting for church leadership to make that happen, we're not gonna, it's not going to work. The church is at its best when we're, we're pouring into each other's lives, we're discovering those needs, and then we're responding. And for that to happen, it means we have to be involved in each other's lives. We have to be connecting. We have to be utilizing groups that are happening so that we can get to know each other. We have to serve alongside of other people so we can begin to discover those needs. Figure out ways to hang out together beyond Sunday. And through those processes, that's when we become aware of ways that we can love on each other and where we can care for each other. But meeting practical needs of those around us is an incredible way to be living out love. Next way that we can choose to live out love is to provide emotional support to those that are around me. If we read through the Bible, we discover that Jesus actually had several siblings. Um, we know he had several brothers. He probably had a couple of sisters. Uh, one of his sisters was named after his mom, so her name was Mary. Another sister was named after his mom's, or after her aunt. Her name was Mary, so there was two Marys again. Um, actually, we have no idea. Interesting, though, Jesus, he's figuring out what's the best way to provide for my mom. What's the best way to care for my mom? And he turns to a friend rather than one of his siblings. That's interesting. That seems, we know that Jesus, one of his brother's names was James. James would eventually uh, be a follower of Jesus, but it, at the time he wasn't. So, so Jesus could have been on the cross, and he could have looked down at his mom and said, Hey, mom, listen, uh, when you get home, you need to let James know that he's the responsible one now. That James is the one that's going to have to care for your needs. He could have said, hey, mom, talk to my sisters and let them know they need to set up a cleaning rotation at the house. Hey, mom, let my youngest brother Chip know. He's in charge of mowing the lawn. Like, it could have... He doesn't. He turns to John, and he's like, John, I need you to watch out for my mom. Theologians say that this is based on the fact that at this moment, John has decided to be a follower of Jesus. His siblings have yet to decide that. After the resurrection, after Jesus comes back to life, at that moment, then his siblings begin to recognize, oh, wow, he, he wasn't just the perfect brother, he actually was the son of God. But at this particular moment, Jesus knows that he can count on John. Jesus knows that he can lean into his friend. In a letter that was written to the Galatian church, it says this. It says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> it's good that the Bible says that, because that would be a rough one for me to tell you that. on Listen, none of us are above it. None of us get to say, ah, that's an option I'm not going to participate in. See, the reality of it is, is that each of us need each of us. Each of us need each of us to decide that we're in. Because I don't know when my life is going to get tough, and I don't know when my life is going to have a burden, and I don't know when there's going to be a struggle that's going to show up in my life. So I need you to say that you're in. And you don't know when your life is going to be tough, and you don't know when burdens are going to show up, and you don't know when struggles are going to show. So we have to decide that we're going to be in. We have to make the choice together to say, listen, we're going to live out love. We're going to live out love, and it's for the fact of the other people that are even sitting in this room. And when we decide that we're going to be helpful and we're going to carry each other's emotional burdens, it doesn't mean life's going to be easier. It just means we have a better chance of overcoming those difficult moments that we face because we don't have to face them alone. We get to go through them with somebody else. And for that to happen, it takes a willingness for each of us on our own to say, you know what, I'm going to be willing to be known by others. It's a commitment to say, I'm not only going to be known by others, I'm going to pursue knowing others. 
That's why connect groups are so essential. That's why we call them connect groups. And it's great that we have some groups that where people are studying the Bible, and we have groups where we were learning to pray. That's why we have groups where we just get together and have fun around similar interests, around similar activities. Because the fundamental reason that we have connect groups is that we would connect and develop relationships. That in those connect groups, we would get to know others, that we would begin to establish relationships. So that when there are burdens in our life, we can rally together, we can support each other in those tough moments. Can I just tell you, if you're not a part of a group, you're missing it. You're missing out on an essential thing that you need. You're missing out on an essential thing that I need. You're missing out on an essential thing that the people sitting around you need. Our goal, our hope, is that every single person would be a part of at least one connect group. Get to know some other people. Talk with some other people. Begin to see how you can live out love and how you can provide emotional support to those that are around you and so that you can receive emotional support from those that are around you. Talk about one other thing real quick about ways that we can provide emotional support. We talk from time to time about how, how the nerves and sort of the anxiety that can set in for somebody that, w- that comes to church for the first time. Especially somebody that comes to church for the first time that's never been to church before. Like, imagine what that must be like to go to church for the very first time. I mean, you're walking into a place for the very first time where everybody else seems to know what to do. You're walking into a place where everybody else seems to know where to go. You're walking into a place where everybody else seems to know how to function. Where it seems like everybody else seems to know each other, even though that's not the case. It just feels like you're out of the loop. Like, we have to allow ourselves to recognize sort of the emotional vulnerability of somebody that's walking into church for the first time. It's an incredible way for you and I to be living out love and offering emotional support if we just begin to recognize and help those that are checking out Silver Creek, ultimately checking out who Jesus is. And honestly, one of the easiest ways that you and I can do that is to simply be aware of where we stand. Yep, just where you stand. Our lobby gets so crowded so crowded, especially right by the front door. And our guests, if a guest walks in, they don't know where to go, and if they don't know where to go, and then they have to kind of run an obstacle course gauntlet to get around us, the people that look like they all know each other, like, that's not emotionally safe at all. Here's how we can solve this. Avoid standing, avoid having conversation in the pass-through between the lobby and the gym. You know that little opening? Don't stand there and have a conversation. And then draw a line from there to the front doors. Don't stand there and have a conversation. I, I think we're going to get a referee that stands there and like counts to three. And if you're three, they're going to blow a whistle and move you along. And maybe you're hearing me describe this and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. So here, we, t- we took some pictures. Let me just show you real quick. <laughs> don't stand there. Don't, don't stand there. Don't there. No. 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 Yes. See, see, I'm, I'm, th- yeah, that's good too. See that pole? Use that pole. And you could even stand, you could even stand one more. There. You can stand there. Do you guys need to see it again? You want to see it again? Do it again real quick. No. 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 No, no. Yep. 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 Uh-huh. 
All right. All right. Another way that we can emotionally support people that are checking out Silver Creek are the words that we use. Can I just give you a few phrases to avoid? Avoid this phrase. Hey, are you new here? No, don't. Hey, is this your first time? Are you a rookie? Like, don't use those. Like, <laughs> hey, have you ever been here before? Like, all of those just call out what is already a concern. Like, that's why we don't say, hey, if you're new here, stand up. Hey, we're going to pin a rose to your chest if you're brand. No, we're like, so try this. Here's, this is what I, if you're a visitor today, I'm going to try this on you. You're going to be like, who just told us this? I just tend to say, hey, if, have I had a chance to meet you yet? And if I have, uh, my memory's just not what it used to be. Which is actually true. Or, hey, great to see you this morning. Can I help you find anything? Like, just don't highlight the fact that I've never seen you before. And if you and I collectively can begin to emotionally support people that are checking out church and ultimately trying to discover Jesus, we are loving in a way that is much like Jesus, and it's such an essential thing that we do. The last way that you and I can be living out love happens in our lives when we decide to meet others' needs even when mine aren't being met. This is a hard one. This means what I have to begin to do is I have to begin to learn to see other people's pain even when I'm in pain. And really, I, I think the only way that you and I are going to be good at this is if we lean into God's power and God's strength that make it happen. Because it's so easy to become focused on my own pain. It's so easy to say, well, why aren't my needs being taken care of? Why doesn't somebody notice my pain? Why aren't people acknowledging my situation? Why aren't people seeing what I'm going through? And truly, the hope is that when I'm in pain and that when you're in pain, others will recognize it. That's what my hope is. That's what we hope will happen. But anytime you and I begin to focus on our own pain, we avoid the opportunity to respond to the pain of people around us. When I'm so focused on me, I miss an incredible opportunity. Because one of the best things that can happen, when I begin to focus on other people's needs, it begins to take my attention off of my own need. And typically when we begin to say, listen, here's somebody else's need, I'm going to pour into somebody else. It begins to take that perspective that I have of my own need and I begin to say, oh, maybe my need wasn't that big after all. When I begin to see that somebody else maybe has something going on worse than what I have. When I begin to see that somebody else's need is greater than my need. When somebody else's pain is deeper than my pain. It doesn't mean that my need or my pain isn't legitimate. But when I begin to look at other people's needs begins to help hold off that self-pity and that, that wallowing in my own misery. As we begin watching and responding to other, others' needs, it begins to help us have better attention and be able to deal with our own. Listen to this incredible challenge out of Philippians. It says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Hanging on a cross in enormous pain, going through emotional pain and spiritual pain, Jesus continued to care about the needs of others. He's in the process of carrying the sin of the world. He's dying, and he notices other people's needs. In the first week, we saw that in the process of being nailed to the cross and in the process of having people hurl insults at him, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. In the second week, we saw that while he's hanging on the cross, he ends up having a conversation with the other criminal, with one of the criminals that's like, uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I need you in my life. 
And Jesus says, good, today you'll be with me in paradise. And today we see that he looks down and he notices his mom. Not thinking about himself, not, not focused on his own agony. Because typically what we do is we just, we shell up and we become self-centered. What this is saying is, listen, have the same attitude as Jesus. Take your eyes off of your own pain and look at the pain of others. And look at who's in pain and respond to that. And when you and I begin to respond to the pain around us, we begin to be able to look at the pain that we've experienced in our life, and that pain that you and I have experienced can oftentimes be one of the greatest sources of comfort for somebody else. I mean, a couple that's had to deal with the, the process of a miscarriage, they have the best ability to show comfort to another couple that goes through a miscarriage. Or the guy that battles through an addiction with pornography is oftentimes the best person to come alongside another guy that's trying to overcome an addiction of pornography. So whatever has caused you pain, whatever has created a need in your life, that is often the best thing to utilize. So if you've gone through a bankruptcy or some sort of an illness or you've been laid off or you've had to deal with a DUI, whatever, don't waste the tragedy. Don't let your pain limit what you can do. But if you and I become so consumed with our own needs, we miss out on the opportunity to meet the needs of those that are around us. And living out love can be one of the hardest things to do. But when we start doing it, we begin to recognize that in those moments, we are more like Jesus than any other way that we can live. And Jesus was living out love as he hung on a cross, which needs to be the example for you and I of recognizing what is possible in our lives. And every week we put these green connect cards in your program. Think through what it is that you've heard. To think through for yourself what's your next step based on, on what God is saying to you this morning. Gives us a great opportunity to be praying for you as God is working in your life. So what is your next step this morning as you think about living out love? Maybe your first step is to consider what it is that your family needs from you. How you can give them attention. How you can pay honor. How you can stick with them. Maybe your next step is to decide that you'll respond to the practical or emotional needs Jesus puts on your heart. Maybe your next step is to commit to not being consumed by your own needs. Maybe there's just something else that Jesus has been tugging on your heart this morning that, that you need to write down, that you need to make a commitment to. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you to respond to what Jesus is saying to you this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your incredible example of love. Jesus, thank you that, that in the middle of all that pain, in the middle of all of that agony, you continue to demonstrate what it looks like to care for those that are around us. What it looks like to love, to get beyond our own needs and our own pain, and to continue to take care of those around us. Help us to follow your example. Help us to adopt your attitude. We love you. In Jesus' name.